would like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of uh, Philippians. We continue this morning through our series in the mornings through the book of Philippians by looking at uh, chapter 3 once again. Today we are going to look at verses 20 and 21. I would like to begin the reading in verse 17. So Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17, beloved, before we hear God's word, if you would, uh, join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we do rejoice, for blessed is the one whose trespasses are forgiven. We thank you, Father, that we stand forgiven in your sight because of the blood of Jesus. And as your people, we are called to be holy as you are holy. And so we pray, Father, that as your word comes to us, This morning from the pages of Holy Scripture as the gospel is proclaimed, we pray, Father, that you would till the soil of our hearts, that we might receive the seed of your word with joy, and that that seed might dig deep roots into our hearts and so that we might bear fruit. We pray, Father, that we would receive this word, that we would think upon our citizenship in heaven and the King of this heavenly city, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would do this good work in your people to the praise of your glory, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. Beloved, this is the word of God. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself." The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord remains forever. Paul does two things here. He does them simultaneously. The first thing he does is contrast the state and the mindset of the enemies of the cross with the state and the mindset of Christians. About the enemies of the cross, he says, their end, there, they, the enemies of the cross, their end is destruction. They glory in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our, you see the contrast there, but us, we, Christians, our, meaning we as Christians are not like them. We don't think like them. Our minds are set on something else. But our church, that is the church, Christians, our citizenship is in heaven. You see what he's doing there. Citizenship would have most likely, the word citizenship, used in this way, it most likely would have struck a chord with the members of the church in Philippi. Philippi at this time was a Roman colony. The citizens living in Philippi could claim Roman citizenship wherever they went. They were Romans, and so they were to be treated as such. At this time, there was much pride and prestige that came along with being a Roman citizen. 
The entire world at this time felt the unavoidable influence of the Roman Empire, its glory, its power. And so to be associated with Rome, the Roman Empire, was a prestigious thing. This was, after all, the most powerful empire in the world at the time. At the head of this empire was Caesar, or Lord Caesar, as he preferred to be called. In the mind of an everyday Philippian citizen who was at the same time a Roman citizen, in their minds, they perceived that every knee in the world bowed to Lord Caesar because he was at the top of this powerful empire. And so when Paul inserted the Christ hymn in chapter 2 where he says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ, not Caesar, is Lord, he was saying something very profound. And he's saying something very profound again here. When he says to these Christians and he says to us, our citizenship is in heaven. This is something very profound for an everyday or would have been profound for an everyday Philippian citizen of Rome. Now, this is not unlike, or being a Roman citizen was not unlike being a citizen of the present American empire, if we could call it that, or the American nation. The fingers of the American empire in which we all live reach into every part of the world. There's almost no place that is not touched by the American presence, and we are part of that. We are American citizens. But friends, what we will see here, hopefully what we learn here, is that our ultimate allegiance is not to America. Our ultimate allegiance is not to America or any American president, though we should support them as they are voted in and pray for them. Paul tells us, pray for kings, pray for those in high places. We don't despise them, we support them and pray for them as far as we are able by God's word. We should honor them. Because leadership, as we are told in God's word, is set up by God himself. But we always keep in mind that our ultimate citizenship is not here in America, nor is it found anywhere else in this world, as it was for the Philippians. Their ultimate citizenship was not to be found in the Roman Empire. Our citizenship is in heaven. Again, he contrasts this fact, the state of believers, with the mindset of the enemies of the cross There, they, the enemies of the cross, their minds were set on earthly things because they belong to this world. That makes sense, does it not? People who are enemies of the cross like this world. They want to see this world as it is extend on into eternity. And so they do find allegiance in present empires, present nations. They do find their ultimate allegiance in the nations of this world because they like this place. They're at home. Their minds are set on earthly things. This present world is where they find their hope. And beloved, these enemies are not always easily easily recognizable, as we've stated before. This is why Paul commands the church to imitate him. Imitate him and others who are like him. Keep our eyes on people like Paul and Timothy. These men were heavenly minded. Find those people. Learn from them. Imitate them. People who think about heaven, who have their minds set on heaven. And as a result of having their minds set on heaven, they live out a life that exemplifies that fact. Paul and Timothy were two such people. And so Paul says, keep your eyes on them. Look away from these others who would distract you from your citizenship in heaven. These were men who actually 
lived their lives, they lived out their lives from a heavenly hope, not an earthly one. These were men who professed faith in Christ and they walked or they lived in a manner worthy of the gospel. This is who we should be imitating. This is who we should be looking to and seeing how they live, how they think. Paul, again, Paul is a great person to go to uh, for that. Now, why did Paul need to make this clear? Why did he need to say, why did he need to say, no, no, look over here. Don't look at them. Don't be distracted by these enemies of the cross. Look over here. Imitate me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Why did he have to do this? Because there are some who profess Christ in God with their mouths, but their hearts are far from him. In Paul's day, we've already seen at the beginning of this chapter that there was a Judaizing group of heretics. They threatened the church with their doctrine, with their practice, and they threatened the pure doctrine of the gospel. They what they did was commingle Jewish rites, even good laws from the Old Testament, with a heretical form of works righteousness, a salvation by works. Paul says, beware of them. There's some good things that they insert into their teaching that sound attractive. But if you dig deeper, you will understand that it is not the gospel. They're actually enemies of the cross. Now, in our day, friends... Uh, there's in, in every generation, there is a strong influence coming from teachers who, uh, who are at best confused and at worst, or be, at best confused and badly mistaken, and are at worst full-blown heretics, they, they, who lead people astray. And their particular doctrine, doctrine is one that does such thing. It commingles good things from the gospel with a kind of nationalism or a kind of pride in the nation in which you live. For us, it would be America. So we would call it an, an American nationalism. And they fuse the doctrine of the gospel with being an American citizen. They fuse the doctrine of the gospel with nationalism. And we can extend it out to any other nation. This happens in other places as well. This is something we need to be aware of and to beware of. We need to look away uh, from this. This is something that's very prevalent uh, today. It's making headway in our circles. And what these teachers do, if they, pushed, if they are pushed far enough, these people and those who follow them are just like the enemies of the cross. Their minds will be set on earthly things because this present nation, as was the Roman Empire, is associated with this earth that is doomed to pass away. It is a temporary part of who you are today. It will not extend into eternity. But for these teachers, they want you to hope in this on some level. And so we need to be aware of them, uh, be aware of their teaching. Now, for anyone to put their hope and confidence in the flesh, Jewish nationalism, that was something that was present in Paul's day, Jewish ancestry, or to put their hope in any citizenship of any nation in this world, that person or group of people are placing their hope in something that is temporary. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our, where, is our, where are our minds to be set? On something permanent, eternal, something that doesn't fade away. Heaven. We are citizens of heaven. Of course, 
we are thankful for all that we have in any nation in which we live. Uh, but we recognize as Christians, as Christians, that this is temporary. American citizenship is temporary. Roman citizenship was temporary. Think about this. Paul is with Christ now. He's with Jesus. He's, he died. In his spirit, he is with Christ. Do you think that Paul still considers himself a Roman citizen? He was a Roman citizen for a time. Our citizenship is in heaven. For the Christian, what remains? If nations of this world do not remain, well, what remains? Well, our fundamental and permanent identity, where is that to be found? Our citizenship is in heaven. We belong to a heavenly city that can never be destroyed. It can never be overcome. It can never be defeated. That's the city I want to be a part of. That's the city I want to be associated with. And that's who we are associated with. That city, an eternal city. At base level, the members of the church, we the members of the church, we belong heart and soul to a heavenly empire, a heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. We are citizens of an abiding heavenly city that is ruled by our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was crucified. He was crucified to build and establish this city. Caesar, at the time this letter was written, was not a savior. He is not the savior of the world, nor will any other earthly leader be the savior of the world. There is only one savior of the world. Where is he? And over what kind of empire does he govern? It's this one, the heavenly empire. We are citizens of heaven in which Christ is. We have one savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his throne is in heaven. Our bellies are not our God. Christ is the Lord. The God of heaven is our God. You see, again, the contrast between us as Christians and all the rest, particularly here, the enemies of the cross. And so, again, we are not to think like enemies of the cross. We are not to behave like enemies of the cross. That is what one of the points that Paul makes here. Now, the first thing that Paul does here is is contrast our heavenly citizenship with earthly citizenship. And that's what we've already seen. The second thing that he was also doing here is he was giving a stronger foundation for the original command, join in imitating me. That's still in the air. He says, join in imitating me. And he's giving a a more firm foundation for that command to Christians. As citizens of heaven, we are told to keep our eyes on and imitate Other leaders in this heavenly city and other members in this heavenly city, other Christians who possess that heavenly mindset, like Paul, like Timothy. We are to imitate them. We are to replicate them. We are to keep our eyes on them and so be heavenly minded. We should be then as a group, as a body, encouraging one another, supporting one another, praying for each other. That's that's what being heavenly minded looks like. We pray for one another because we're destined for heaven and it's hard here, is it not? It's difficult to live in this wicked age. And so we have to support one another and, of course, imitate one another in in love, being examples for others to follow as citizens of Christ's eternal city. That is what we are to do, to keep our minds set on what is above, not what is below. Primarily what is above, not primarily what is below. Below, Certainly we have to think about some things that are below. But we know that our ultimate 
identity is found above. Now, again, we do not, as Christians, we do not repudiate our current national citizenship. We don't repudiate it. Paul didn't. Paul, in fact, employed his Roman citizenship at one point to save his own life. And so as, as far as we are, God's word allows us, we praise the Lord for being American citizens or whatever citizen you are, whatever earthly nation you are a part of. And so we don't repudiate it completely, our status that, is, that we find in these countries today, in these empires today. We give thanks to God for whatever benefits we enjoy in this life as a result of being a citizen of a particular nation. But our minds are not set there. Our minds are not set here. And we don't put our hopes in what we see here, in present leaders here in the civil realm. Our Savior is not here. You won't find him here. It certainly would be wonderful to have a Christian in leadership over a particular nation We pray to that end, but he would still, or she would still not be a savior. We have one savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For us, we are to imitate Paul, imitate the leaders and examples that God has given us who have their heavenly, have a heavenly mindset about them. We are to think and act like them. And by God's grace, we are to make our heavenly citizenship known in this world. We are to love one another as Christ has loved us. And in the context of this gospel, what does that look like? It looks like being unified. That's what it looks like, to be unified in the gospel. Heavenly heavenly mindedness should have an impact on the way in which we interact with one another and we serve one another in love. Now, Paul does something interesting here. He He doesn't move from a statement about our heavenly citizenship and then spend time talking about how our heavenly citizenship should shape our lives presently. That, of course, is implied. We are supposed to imitate Paul. Rather, he moves from saying assertively, our citizenship is in heaven, to talking about the future hope that we have as citizens of this heavenly city. The first such hope that we have as citizens of heaven is that the leader of this city is returning. He is going to return. Our Savior, who is not presently with us, Jesus Christ, will return. We are awaiting his return, as Paul says. We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this waiting period is significant, friends, because presently, what do we experience? We experience sharing in Christ's suffering. We don't yet share in his glorification. We suffer. We suffer under the hands at times of tyrannical nations outside of us, even tyrannical laws within our own nation. We suffer as Christians. And so... But when Jesus comes again, of course, that suffering will end. But presently, we share in Christ's suffering, as Paul was sharing in Christ's suffering as he languished in prison. Now, we may not be in prison for our faith, but we do suffer. We are confronted with temptations on all sides. We are persecuted by the world at times. We fight against sin. And so we suffer and we wait. We wait eagerly for the return of our leader. Now, part of the suffering that we endure, friends, is directly related to our heavenly citizenship status. We wake up every day, friends. We wake up every day in this life not belonging here. As much as we enjoy our homes, ultimately those aren't our homes. Even in our own homes, 
We are foreigners. We're aliens. We wake up every day not belonging here. We don't belong here. This is not our home. We live each day of our lives as aliens, as foreigners. Some of you know what this is like. Perhaps you've moved here from another nation, or perhaps you've moved from here to another nation. You know what it's like to have to spend the time to incorporate yourself into that nation's culture and practices. Well, this is us always as Christians. We're always foreigners. We'll never, we'll never be incorporated into the ways of this world fully. So as aliens, we wait. We wait patiently for the return of our Savior. He is surely coming. And when he comes, his empire, his kingdom, which is largely invisible today, it will overtake the world. That is what will happen. And that's the difference between what happens in the nations and empires of this world. They think they can overtake the world. The leaders of these empires think they will succeed, and that's what they want. We see it all the time. It's not happening in other parts of the world, even as we speak. Empires, nations, leaders of empires, they want to gobble up more and more of the earth in an effort to overtake the earth. But God's word promises, promises us that that will never happen. The Roman Empire was, was one such empire. But they can't. The empires of this world will not And they can't. The earth belongs to Jesus Christ. When he returns, he will destroy this earth and he will bring into existence a new one, a new Jerusalem where righteousness will reign. And he will give that earth, the new heavens and the new earth, to you. And that's where you belong. When that happens, when Jesus comes again and you are there with him in the new heavens and a new earth, in his empire, That is when you will finally feel at home, all of us. We will no longer feel like foreigners. We will no longer feel like aliens. That is when we will feel like this is where we belong. Because that is where we belong. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, when Jesus, friends, comes, make no mistake that he will come in power. Paul mentions this power in verse 21, the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Now, right now, beloved, Jesus reigns. He's been given all authority over heaven and earth. All things fall out in history according to his wise plan. The the rise of empires, the fall of empires, the rise of kings, the fall of kings. It all happens according to Christ's wise and eternal plan. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. But we don't see that, do we? We don't see it. It's very difficult to look out into our current landscape and to see the wickedness that seems to reign in so many places and think that Jesus reigns. It's difficult for us to see with our physical eyes, but nevertheless, it's there. He's reigning. He reigns over your heart. He reigns over your mind. He's advancing his kingdom. So it's largely invisible presently to us. But when Jesus returns, however, this power that Paul mentions will be made known to all. He will subdue all rulers, all authorities, all earthly power. He will put all of our enemies under his feet, the last enemy to be destroyed being death itself. And he will reign in the new heavens and the new earth forever and ever. His power will be unmistakable. Now, friends, this is all wonderful for all of us, the church as a whole. Of course, this, is, this gives us hope. 
right? This gives us a real hope on which, upon which to cling. But Paul makes it very personal here, too. When Jesus returns, his arrival from heaven and the eternal power that will accompany his second coming will immediately be viewed and experienced by every person who's ever lived. And the whole world will experience that power. And his coming will immediately cause a physical change in us. Our present broken, lowly bodies will then be glorified. Paul says here, they will be transformed. These same bodies, he says, our bodies, it's this body that will be transformed. And so it's your body you have today, but it will be altogether different then when Jesus comes again. It will be like his glorious body. And what is Christ's body like today? Well, his body today is indestructible. His body is not susceptible to death. It is a spiritual body, a body that is fit for heavenly dwelling, a body fit for a heavenly city. That's what Christ's body is like today. And when he comes again, that is what our bodies will be like by his power. By the power of his coming, our bodies will take on a form that is fit for heaven. No longer susceptible to death, no longer susceptible to sin, indestructible, glorified. It is then, friends, again, and really only then, that we as Christians, as citizens of heaven, will finally feel at home. We don't feel at home in this world. Often we don't feel at home in our bodies because they break They break down, they cause us pain, but then you won't feel that way anymore. We'll be at home, then and only then, really. In glorified bodies filled with the Spirit, we will finally be where we truly belong, in an eternal heavenly city with Christ. Now lastly, again, why did Paul go here? Why did he decide to go from heavenly citizenship to talking about something future, If this is as citizens of heaven, if this is our guaranteed future, glorified bodies with Christ, what then should we do with our bodies today? That's the question we have to ask. What should we do then? This is your future. Christ is coming. Your body will be transformed. What should we do then today with our bodies until that day comes as citizens of heaven? Well, friends, we are to give these bodies over to death for the sake of one another. That is what we are to do. We are to love others in these bodies, even if it means putting these bodies in harm's way. We are to love others with these bodies. That's what we are to do. That's what Paul did. That's what his followers did. Taking one step after another in these bodies on a march towards death for the sake of our families, for the sake of the church. That's what you do with these bodies. And so in a word, if we could go back, we imitate Paul. We imitate Paul who did this and we imitate others who we see doing this. Paul, at this point, was being poured out as a drink offering in his lowly body for the sake of the gospel. Timothy served Paul like a son with his father in his body for the sake of Christ and for his gospel. Epaphroditus used his body to take a gift from Philippians to Paul. And while on the way, or while Paul was in prison, while on the way to take that gift to Paul, Epaphroditus fell sick in that body and he almost died in that body. Now, thankfully, he was spared by the Lord's grace, but 
That's an example to follow. That's where we look. That's where we set our eyes. To use our bodies in service of one another in love. Why were these men willing to put their bodies to use in this way? What drove them? It's because of this right here in verses 20 and 21, this future reality. Our bodies will be transformed. Do others in the church, I think the question for each one of us is, do others in the church, in our families, see us using our lowly bodies in this way? Do they see us using our bodies for this purpose, to serve one another in love? That is the question we have to ask. We need to see and find those who do this, and we need to imitate them. Our Savior did, did this. Jesus gave his body over to death for us. And it's because of this, this king, no other king, that we are able to say with Paul, our citizenship is in heaven. It's because of what he has done. Because of what he's doing and what he will do when he comes again. And so, friends, let us then imitate Paul, as he told us earlier. Let us imitate Paul and let us use our bodies in a way that shows us that we actually believe that we are citizens of heaven. To Christ be all praise and glory now and forevermore. Let's pray together, friends.